Hello and welcome to another episode of the PA Path Podcast. Before we get started, we would like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, Butler University. Today, we speak with Dr. Vanessa Bester. Dr. Bester is the program director at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Her career spans back to 2003 when she began as a National Health Service Corps scholarship recipient, specializing in HIV primary care and infectious diseases. Her clinical work includes a diverse group of medical settings, including pulmonary, critical care, emergency medicine, cardiology, and military medicine in Germany. In her current role at the Augsburg University Health Commons, she supports community health and well-being. She also serves as the secretary for the Minnesota Academy of PA Board of Directors, and she is involved in justice, diversity, and inclusion initiatives at the local and national levels. Dr. Bester is a PAEA AAPA Research Fellow, and she is honored to be recognized as a Distinguished Fellow for the American Academy of PAs. Dr. Bester, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to see you. Vanessa, let's start with your background and your path to becoming a PA. Obviously, you were chosen to become a National Health Service Corps Scholar to apply for it. You were selected. But prior to that, what kind of led you to the PA profession? Yeah, I have an interesting story. I grew up in a pretty rural area with a sister who was special needs. Uh, She was born with, with spina bifida. She was about a year and a half younger than me. And so I took on that caregiver role pretty early in my life, being the child of a nurse who was working night shifts and a dad who was just blue collar worker and busting his butt. I was often the the primary caregiver for my sister, at least a, a major participant in her care. And so from an early age, I knew I wanted to be in medicine. And of course, at that time, it was physician or bust and medical school or bust. And so I worked hard to get into University of Pittsburgh. I wanted to study neuroscience, which definitely aligned with a lot of my sister's experiences and being in the hospital with her and neurosurgery and all of those things. And that was one of the schools at the time that had the major, and that was my life goal. Unfortunately, my first year into undergrad, my sister passed away. And that really derailed my life plan um, in my mind as an 18 or 19-year-old. And I started to question whether I wanted to go to medical school. And knowing that family and hopefully having a family in the future was a big priority in my life. And I worked with a couple of physician assistants and nurse practitioners at the time. And they said, do you know what we do? And I said, no, I don't know what you do. And that's how I came to truly learn about the PA profession. I knew they were people who worked in the clinic I was working in, but didn't really think about what their roles and jobs were. And so I shifted gears and applied to University of Florida and was lucky enough to get in. I think I was one of the youngest in my class, if not the youngest. But I had with me a lot of caregiver experience and and clinical experience, and they saw something in me. So then what led your interest in the National Health Service Corps? Because it's a wonderful program that pays for your education, pays you to go to school, essentially. But obviously, there is that commitment on the back end to serve underserved communities. So tell us about that decision. Yeah, absolutely. It truly ties back again to my childhood and my experiences with my sister. We lived in a pretty rural area and access to care and barriers to care were in every direction. 
And um, for her to see a neurologist or a neurosurgeon, we'd have to drive up to two hours to have her have those appointments and get the care that she needed. And so that's something that stuck with me going into PA school, thinking about how how there are so many inequities in healthcare, not only in rural areas, but underserved areas as well. And that's where the National Health Service Corps sparked my interest. And then, of course, the honest things that coming from a rural underserved area, I had not much money or zero money to finance a, a master's degree. And so being a National Health Service Corps scholar was the only option for me in terms of paying for PA school and living on a small stipend to also be able to eat in PA school. So it aligned with my background and my experiences, but then also it was a no-brainer in terms of that commitment to work in an underserved area once I graduated. And so at the time, and often since then, all the NHSC scholars I've had, they almost always go into family medicine in a rural community. You had a unique change to that. There's a primary care nature to what you did, but can you just talk a little bit about how you ended up in HIV medicine, primary care and infectious disease as an NHSC recipient? Yeah, it's funny. My one track mind was I'm going in primary care. I'm honoring my NHSC scholarship. And then I got into the clinicals a year of my PA school and found I loved infectious disease and hospital medicine and critical care a lot. And I loved to see that immediate change in a patient's status in response to maybe an order that I made or a diagnosis and intervention. And I didn't expect that at all going into PA school, which I think a lot of PAs and students experience of, I never saw that coming. I didn't think that was going to light my fire a little bit. And so when I was selecting my PA rotations, I asked to do an infectious disease rotation because I figured no matter where I ended up, I was going to have to prescribe antibiotics and understand ID to a level that I really didn't feel I had. And when I was working as a student in the infectious disease clinic, they said, hey, by the way, we were a National Health Service Corps site for doing HIV primary care, and you should try to come work for us. And it was as simple as that. I was looking back then, there wasn't at that time in 2003, many sites open for National Health Service scholars and the way they structured the program at that time. And I was a little intimidated by starting my clinical practice working in a, a very remote rural area without much backup or in a, a maximum security facility where I certainly knew I wasn't socially, emotionally prepared to work in, in that setting. And so that's really how it came to be. I loved the patients. It showed me another side to medicine and the inequities in access to care that my patients were experiencing in terms of effects of mass incarceration and people experiencing homelessness and gave a new depth to this whole concept of noncompliance and realizing it's not noncompliance, it's life that's impacting people's health and not necessarily their 
forgetting to take their medications or they are losing their medications, but in fact, someone jumped them on the street and took their medications. And how do we navigate those things? And I saw a lot of parallels, obviously not similarities to what we experienced when I was growing up in those barriers and just frustrations and not knowing how to navigate the healthcare system. And I just fell in love with it. It's funny how sometimes life forces us to back into situations or opportunities that we otherwise might not have considered, but end up being really positive experiences and kind of life-altering in ways. One of the things that I think makes each individual PA program unique is that its collection of faculty bring with them life experiences that I don't think can help but have influence on the curriculum. I think they have maybe an unstated influence on the curriculum. How do you feel like the experiences that you had, either with your sister or some of the experiences that you've had with populations that you've cared for, how do you think you've brought those to the curriculum of your program? Oh, it's woven through every little piece of the curriculum that I can get my fingers on. When I transitioned into PA education, I realized that I really loved it and wanted to be a better educator and pursued my doctorate. And as a part of that, I found a word for a lot of the work I had been doing clinically up until that point, but never put a name to it, which was social justice. And that's really resonated with me through that doctoral training. And I bring that to my research and to the classroom and the curriculum. When I came to Augsburg University, our cohorts were 100% white students, not very diverse at all. However, our campus and our community that surrounds us were very diverse. And so that was part of the reason that I came to Augsburg because I knew that the institution had that in them to support the PA department in increasing the diversity. Today, we are sitting at about 40% of our cohorts are BIPOC or from underrepresented areas. And so with that came the realization of our faculty and staff and institution that things needed to change in our curriculum and how we supported our students and what we recognized our students needed and wanted to learn. So about a year and a half ago, we did a full um, curriculum revision and took our research course and our professional issues course where we talk about PA topics and combined that across the entire curriculum during the didactic phase into a community health and evidence-based professional practice course. And so it's an interesting hodgepodge of thinking about research as a PA and scholarly work as a PA and how we can use research in our practice to impact patient care, but then also highlights the community health side of care and approach to patient care and understanding and exploring cultural humility and digging deep into health inequities and racism in, in healthcare and racism in policy. We adopted the Political Determinants of Health book. That was a, a book club reading from the Diversity and Inclusion Mission Advancement Commission with PAE a few years back. And it has really opened up conversations in the classroom about thinking about equity, thinking about access to care and racism and how it's not 
that someone being racist is the problem that is an overt problem, but also recognizing the systemic barriers that are happening that we, particularly if we're privileged, will not necessarily think of or recognize. And it's really opened up the eyes of our students and to be able to offer panels, presentations from partnerships with the Minnesota Special Olympics and having their ambassadors come and, and flat out tell our students, don't do this, do this. And then having our students then as a part of that course, go to a health screening event and provide physical exam screening and basic patient education to the athletes as an example. And also a part of that course is assignments that require students to engage in community health and service related activities. So the PA department partners with our nursing department in what's called the Augsburg Health Commons. And there's several sites around the Minneapolis, St. Paul, but we call it the Twin Cities area, that are provider-led drop-in centers where people can embrace wellness and health. And we work as a collaborative team with community members to navigate the health system, to advocate for themselves and their needs. And so there's the several sites. One is in downtown Minneapolis, uh, Central Lutheran Church, and that focuses on people experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity. The one I run is in North Minneapolis, and that's a predominantly African-American community, um, much more interested in wellness. So we provide hand massages where we're talking to them about their health while providing hand massages as well as spot massage. Um, community education seminars and those types of uh, programming. And then we also provide foot care and we have student-run and student-led foot care in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood here in Minneapolis, right in the Augsburg campus area that is predominantly an East African community. And so that enables our students who have never been exposed to immigrant health or working with um, who are um, English is not their first language, are able to learn how to communicate in ways that they may not have had to expose themselves in the past. But then also to having a place where our East African Somali students can go and also be a part of their own community and give back in a way that they haven't had the opportunity to yet. And so that core series wraps all of these things together and thinking about how can we as PAs improve our communities and connect with our communities and use research in the very lightest term and most ethical context we can to make that difference and truly have action-based outcomes for our community. Sounds like just tremendous opportunities for your students to really integrate, not only what they're learning about health and medicine, but really integrate the social justice and community health pieces of that. Let's take a quick break for a word from our episode sponsor, Butler University. Shape the future of healthcare at Butler University. Whether you're a practicing PA or soon-to-be PA graduate, Butler's Doctor of Medical Science programs offer the education and experience to advance your career. The DMS program serves PAs interested in deepening their knowledge with one of four focused concentrations, while the DMS Bridge program offers an accelerated curriculum designed for new PAs within six months of graduation from an accredited PA program. Learn more about your DMS options at butler.edu forward slash DMS. 
We'd like to hear a little bit more about your program, about Augsburg University. Tell us a little bit about what makes you unique other than what you just touched on and maybe what a potential student might do to make themselves a competitive applicant for your program. Yeah, sure. I think what makes us unique outside of our definite social justice and community engagement lens is that we've created a very student-centered environment. We are very close to our students and helping them achieve success. And, and whether that's success on their board scores or success in life, that is the focus of our program. We teach the medicine, we teach the pharmacology, we teach the simulations and the point of care ultrasounds and all of the things. But what we found is most fulfilling as faculty and really helpful for students is to have some compassion and empathy and understanding for our students and create an environment where we can support each other. I think that sometimes in PA school or in any really stressful program that it's easy to get wrapped up in the concept of failure and success and isolation and things like imposter phenomenon that we see through our students and we see in ourselves. And um, we create a very intentional and open environment to talk about these things and normalize help-seeking behaviors and wellness and carve out time and understand that, yes, your job is to be a PA student. However, as a PA student, you also have life in the things that are impacting you outside of the classroom. And how can we work with you to keep you on track, give you a break, or just support you in ways that isn't just academic advising and telling you that you need to get your grades up? I think that's something that we spend a lot of time on. And it's important to us to see our students succeed because it is hard to get into PA school. We all know that. That's not a newsflash. And we really feel once you get in, we're going to try to drag you through kicking and screaming to get you out the other side and into clinical practice because there was something that we saw in every applicant, every student, and every graduate that comes through our program. They have that potential to make a difference when they are practicing and so to you know, transition to the what are we looking for in our applicants and at Augsburg, there's a baseline minimum. You have to have your prerequisites and your GPA has to demonstrate that you have the academic ability to kick butt in PA school and that resiliency to show that if I've made a mistake and I didn't do so well in this class, I'm going to call it out and say, I made a mistake and didn't do well in this class and this is what I did to bounce back. And it's more about the resiliency, the lived experiences that applicants bring and how they can bring those to the classroom to educate each other, educate our faculty and staff, and help us grow. And when we talk about the CASPA application, it's the numerics that all PAA programs look at, but really our focus, our faculty's focus in reviewing any applications is on the essays, on the clinical experience, the patient care experience that people bring with them. We want to see people who are compassionate and dedicated to their communities and who will hopefully return to serve their communities upon graduation. 
it's always just like my story of I was all about primary care and then I fell in love with critical care, but I've always come back to primary care and the community. And I think that speaks to the pattern that a lot of our students do too. And students that graduate and then they all of a sudden they're like, I got a job in, I don't know, some random, very specialized surgical practice. And you're going, but it was primary care. <laughs> And to see them after a couple of years realize, oh, yeah, my heart is there and, and witness that career trajectory is cool. So that's really who and what we're looking for. And we want people to we want to create an environment for admissions and interviews and all of that where people can be themselves and not have to feel like they have to rehearse their answers and they can be themselves so we can see that potential. But that's you made some great choices in your career in terms of being an academic, in terms of your doctorate, the PAEAAPA research fellow. You also chosen to be involved in leadership with the Minnesota Academy of PAs. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about those decisions and what it is about leadership that you have experienced. And also, how is Minnesota doing in terms of their scope of practice laws in, in this new environment? So I'm really glad that you mentioned my involvement in the APA PAEA uh, Research Fellowship and that connection to the Minnesota Academy of PAs. Um, prior to my involvement in the Research Fellowship, I hadn't had a lot of experience in PA advocacy or PA policy, whether local, regional, or national. And what the Research Fellowship did for me was helped me recognize where I could make change with the research I was doing and how to go about that in a bigger venue like national politics and policy. And that fellowship gave us an opportunity to meet with national leaders in the federally qualified health centers and the NIH and to really see Robert Wood Johnson Foundation as well how research impacts policy in action and how to advocate for a cause in a way that I hadn't been exposed to before. And so it was funny. I've had a lot of mentors that have driven me in the directions and guided me in, in the directions I've taken in my career. And one of my mentors said, what are you doing in MAPA? <laughs> That's not your thing. And I said, there's a lot going on in our state and in the PA profession, especially now with PA scope of practice and licensure and regulation that I wanted to start getting involved in it. And it feels very intimidating to speak with legislatures and advocate for the profession if you've never done it before. And MAPA threw us in into the deep end and they sponsor a PA day on the hill. It's actually coming up in a couple of weeks. And the first time I participated, we brought all of our students there and it was just craziness of trying to get to different rooms and different places and meet different people. But really what it was connecting with a fellow human being, one who's passionate about politics and serving their community, and then one who's passionate about healthcare and serving their community and educating them about what a PA is, talking to them. Some of the legislatures knew nothing about what a PA was and others are like, oh, I have a PA and they're amazing. And so to be able to mentor students in that situation, to just be like, it's not scary, just talk to them about what's important to us. 
right now where we as an organization at MAPA are putting our attention or in focusing in on our issues within our state related to PA practice and being considered mental health providers. That is probably, I think I'll speak for our legislative committee, but one of our number one goals over the next few years is to really be recognized in the statutes, in the policies within the state as mental health providers. Currently, most of the legislation has all of the other physician, nurse practitioners, licensed counselors, and everyone from the social work realm, but not acknowledging PAs as mental health providers, which is pretty staggering for me and for a lot of even our students. They're like, what do you mean we can't? That's not in our scope. And so being able to leverage my role as the program director in educating our students in those realities and how they need to contribute and and make an impact in advocacy for us in the state has been really wonderful and being able to partner with Minnesota Academy of PAs and the rest of the PA programs in our state to do that collectively. I think that's one of the really great things about working in Minnesota and we've got five programs and a, a six coming online in a few years and just having that relationship across programs and that's facilitated by MAPA so that we can all kind of start pushing together to make those changes. Other things that are also going on, it is being named for legislation related to end-of-life care and being an active um, and acknowledged uh, participant from the medical team in any legislation, and then as well as interstate compacts and working in that direction. Wow, lots going on. Really, the, your advocacy is is very important. And we thank you for taking an opportunity to spend some time with us today talking about your experiences, your advocacy, and your leadership, and also learning a little bit more about your program, Oxford University. We do like to give our guests a, an opportunity to just share some parting words or parting thoughts with us if you have anything else that you'd like to say before we close. I think the only thing I'd like to say after rambling uh, as long as I have is I hope that we as PAs are able to inspire each other to promote our profession and advocate for ourselves to the levels that we are already doing. We tend to be very humble, hardworking providers. It's in our nature. And now is the time for us to step up and have our voices heard and to not necessarily lose our humble nature, but to be proud of the work that we do and making sure that others are recognizing that. Well said, Vanessa. Well said. I think you certainly have inspired these two today. So thanks for your time. Thanks. We want to thank our guest, Dr. Vanessa Bester, for her time and insights into the Augsburg University PA program. She shared a vision for educational learning that focuses on community needs, cultural humility, and student involvement in so many wonderful community organizations that raise the understanding for students about the global world we care for. In addition, her dedication to her craft, to leadership and to education is something to admire. We wanna say thanks again to our episode sponsor, Butler University. Tune in next time as we speak with leaders of our profession, both nationally and worldwide.